You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello there and welcome to this week's episode of the Press Zone podcast right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We are, uh, this podcast is proudly affiliated with the Hockey Podcast Network and uh, presented to you today by DraftKings, who you're going to hear from in just a little while. So we're glad that you're here with us today for episode 247 of the Press Zone. Uh, I am your host and the lead correspondent at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson and I'm joined each and every week in the studio by our president and founder at Rocket Sports Media, and he is Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right. That's good. Good, good. We went from um, here in eastern Pennsylvania. It was over 70 Fahrenheit yesterday, and we're getting snow tomorrow. All right, then. So. <laughs> I've got the seeds planted anyway. You've got seeds planted? Seeds are planted. Little sprouts coming up. Farmer Rick? Mm-hmm, for it sure. Has already put, do you have? Do I you, need a tractor, that's what I need. Do you have the bib overalls? And not yet, no, no. Will you post? I've got some pla- red plaid, though, so. All right, flannel. all right. Yeah. Okay, some flannel, that's yeah. good, that's good. So you've got the full look. We're, we're going to have to ask uh, our our resident farmer, uh, Mike Rashel. Mike Rashel, yeah, what for his, fashion What tips. his favorite farmer fashion is. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be curious to know. We'll have to find out. Uh, We are glad that you're here with us today. We've got lots of great information to cover. Uh, In our first segment today, of course, we're going to get you all caught up and up to speed on what's going on with the Laval Rocket. They had uh, four games in the last week. Uh, So we're going to tell you how all of that went down. We've got some audio to bring you uh, from interviews with Coach J.F. Uhl and... uh, Jean-Sebastian D. Uh, we've got a quote from him today as well. So bring you up to speed with how the the Rocket has been looking in the last week. Get you caught up on their injury report, which is seems to grow every single day. Uh, there's been some roster additions and signings and so forth. Also, um, since the last time we all gathered here a week ago, last Tuesday, um, Michael McNiven was traded away from the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about about that m- transaction as well as uh, the ripple effect of that. Mo- the big part of it is, of course, that Caden Primo once again recalled to the NHL uh, to be in a tandem with Sam Montembeau at the moment. So we're going to talk about all of that in the first segment, and then after we take a quick break, we're going to come back for segment two, and 
That's right, you know it. Every other week, Patrick Williams joins Rick and I in the studio for the AHL Hot Stove segment. Uh, and we're excited to have Patrick back this week. Um, after the last time he was here with us, uh, we had a very special kind of AHL Hot Stove. That's when we uh, invited Laval Rocket head coach Jean-Francois Uhl, uh to sit down at the table with us during the hot stove. And we had an exclusive interview with him two weeks ago. If you if you missed that, be sure to check out episode 245. Um, but this week we're we're back to back to business as usual at the hot stove. And we've got some really interesting stories to talk about with Patrick. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about the potential impact to the AHL uh, in the next few months with the exodus of North American hockey players leaving the KHL uh, due to world events right now. So we're going to talk a bit about that. We're going to talk a bit about um, how some AHL teams are seeking some financial assistance to help get them back on their feet after uh, all of the losses they've endured throughout the pandemic. Uh, And the Manitoba Moose held a very special promotion and had a very special game uh, this past week that we want to uh, give you a closer look at it's it's uh, for a great cause it looked like a lot of fun and and there's a lot to talk about there so we're looking forward to patrick uh, joining us in the second segment rick um absolutely and uh yeah i think it's gonna be a fun show today mm-hmm. uh so let's start with the laval rocket update um they remember they were on a lengthy homestand seven games over 11 days uh this uh we're looking at this week um is the third consecutive week where the Rocket will play four games in a week in the week. It is the third consecutive week that they've played on a Monday. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's certainly been wearing. Um, it's it's a lot of hockey that's packed into uh, the end of February, beginning of March. April does not look much better uh, as as games from the COVID postponements uh, get rescheduled. Needless to say, kind of a disappointing end to their homestand. They went uh, overall, well, on the week, um, they went three and four. uh, Actually, no, they went one and three on the week. They had one win, three losses on the week. Overall in the homestand, three and four. Uh, So uh, below 500 for the homestand, which uh, John Francois was not exactly pleased about. Uh, so if we take a look back to uh, to last Wednesday, uh, that was the second of their two games against the Cleveland Monsters. Uh, Rick, this was another game where, uh, and it was happening a lot in a in a quick succession over a course of a few games where, again, they blew things in the third period. Um, they were actually leading 2-1 going into the third and ended up giving up three unanswered goals in the last nine minutes of the game to lose that one 4-2. It was not pretty. And we remember the, the week before it was against uh, the Senators. A similar thing happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this um, These kinds of collapses in the third period just shouldn't happen to a team uh, that, you know, has a fair number of veterans on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, Caden Primo was in, in net. I'm not saying that, that he was to blame, but uh, a, a team loss uh, when you lose in the third period. Absolutely. Um, and And... This is a team also to keep in mind going into this homestand had one of the best home game records in in the AHL. Um, And now uh, that that record's been tarnished a little bit with the amount of losses that they put up uh, in front of uh, Place Bell fans uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, So 
Two days later, uh, last Friday, they were getting ready to welcome, uh, for the first time ever, brand new uh, AHL opponent, the Abbotsford Canucks, uh, into Plasbell. Uh, and so when we spoke to uh, when I spoke to to JF Ull Friday morning after the morning skate, uh, this is coming off of that that collapse uh, against Cleveland on Wednesday night. Um, you know, Abbotsford uh, has a lot of skill on its team, as as did. Uh, you know, they played two games against Abbotsford, and then we're going to talk in a minute that that the next opponent that they faced then was Springfield. Um, so looking at three games in a row against uh, t- two teams that have a lot of skilled players, a lot of offensive players. And so I asked JF, you know, what's really going to be the key for your team um, to defend well against highly skilled teams like the ones you're about to face? Yeah, to, to us, it's winning our battles down low in the ozone and, uh, you know, try to get the puck to our, to our D as quick as possible. But uh, they're a team that box out really well. So we, we got to find ways uh, to get to the net. And we can't be crammed at the net either. We need to be able to have a little bit of space so we could come down on rebounds. You know, it's something that uh, we know our guys are good at getting at the net, but sometimes we're just too close to the goalie. We need to be a little higher so we can come down on rebounds and retrieve more pucks. But um uh, you know, we, we have some hardworking guys that like to get to the net. So that's that's a good positive thing for us. I, I think he's pointed out something very key there. And again, this is this is great instruction. Um, but it's not only getting to the net, uh, but making sure you have space to make a play when you're there. You have to be active. Uh, you can't necessarily be stationary. Um, and, uh, and, and moving yourself into the right position to be there for rebounds. Um, great point by Jeffu. It's one of those things that we, we kind of keep circling back to when it comes to the, to this new coach for the Laval rocket. Uh, he's an excellent communicator. Uh, and the fact that he takes the, he's also an, an extremely intelligent coach. Um, he understands the game inside and out and not only does that, but he communicates it very well. And the fact that he takes the time that he does to explain in detail to members of the media, uh, the X's and O's of his, of his teachings and, and, and hockey from his standpoint, uh, means you can be pretty confident that he's communicating it to his players, uh, very well. In addition to mm-hmm. that, so um, I thought this was a great example of it. In fact, uh, give you I'll, I'll give you another uh, example. In this next clip, uh, then one of the things one there haven't been a ton of areas uh, where the Rocket have really struggled this season. Uh, sometimes playing a full sixty and sometimes uh, getting getting a good start in the first period have been have been things that they've struggled with. <clears throat> there haven't been excuse me there haven't been too many other issues except the power play the power play has really had some difficulties this year uh and here's here's an example again uh but prior to the abbotsford series where uh ul talks about exactly what he feels needs to get fixed on the power play in order for it to start working it's it's a progress you know we, we had to switch things we scored a goal last game we, had, we hadn't scored in 13 tries before that um you know, it's, it's up and down. It also goes with, uh, you know, guys are in and out of the lineup. So, uh, you know, it's, we're still trying to create some more off offensive chances. And that again, comes down on the retrieving pucks after a shot, you have to retrieve and winning face-offs for us. If you win the face-off, you start with the puck and you're not going back, uh, losing 30 seconds, trying to break out. So it's, uh, you know, it's, we're working on it every day. It's a part of our game that needs to get better. And, uh, 
and hopefully they, they get a little confidence from uh, from yesterday. Like the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Laval having a lot of difficulty on the power play. Um, 26th in the league um, at only 17.8% uh, success rate. So, um, yeah, it, it's something that would help the game. When when your your overall game is struggling, uh, to be able to get a, a, a special teams goal, that uh, that would help give a, a boost to the lineup. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's well known, of course, uh, the guy who's typically quarterbacking the power play as far as uh, scoring power play goals is Alex Belzeal. He's been out with injury for quite a while and he's not going to be back uh, for another few weeks still. So uh, JF will trying to find other ways to generate some offense uh, on the man advantage. Uh, so, of course, unfortunately, uh, that first game against Abbotsford did not go uh, their way. They lost back-to-back games there. Uh, they, they were outworked. They looked tired. Uh, again, losing 4-2 to two, um, just was not an impressive effort. And so they had a turnaround of less than 24 hours for a 1 o'clock matinee on Saturday. And it was kind of like a little bit of a nail-biter, like, oh, boy, uh, how is this how is this going to look? In addition... Uh, Kevin Poulan was going to got the start on Friday night and got the start again on Saturday afternoon uh, because there wasn't many uh, there weren't many other options because of Caden Primo having having been recalled. Uh, so back to back games for Kevin Poulan and wouldn't you know it, Rick? <laughs> they lo- it was like night and day. These guys came firing out of the gate on Saturday afternoon uh, and Poulan backstopping them to a three nothing shutout. Over the Abbotsford Canucks, it was pretty impressive. Somehow, sometimes it's hard to uh, bring some logic to to these results. Uh, as you said, going less than twenty four hours after they when they had looked uh, tired and and uh, beaten, uh, then it was Abbotsford um, on the, on the Saturday that mm-hmm. uh, you know shots in the first period were seventeen to two for Lavelle. Abbotsford had had nothing. Um, after having a, a a very good game and and it was the not the third period but the second period that was dominant for Abbotsford on on Friday night uh, where they scored three goals uh, two of them set up by Matt Guitar Murphy Matt Guitar Murphy yeah well listen if that isn't his nickname I'm going to have a talk with the people in Abbotsford because it should be Matt Guitar Murphy Matt Guitar Murphy okay we'll 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 send Blues a guitars, memo guitars you know we'll Memphis Gotcha. Blues Brothers. Any more pop culture references? (laughs) I'll squeeze them in as we go along. (laughs) Uh, So it was a pretty tremendous win. You could tell it was a a big relief. Uh, If they had lost three in a row, um, that would have been would have been a little uh, little grimacing uh, there. Uh, John Sebastian D after the game, of course, um, Chris G was was in Place Bell uh, and and covering the game uh, for the AHL report and Jean Sebastian D who has you know Jean Sebastian D is one of those quality veterans that you you spoke about uh, earlier in the segment uh, he is a, a, a tried and true proven uh, AHL veteran player uh, has good leadership he's got good offensive capabilities. Uh, and and works really hard. He's been he's been centering the top line uh, between Rafael Harvey Pinard and Yessi Alonen, and, and the three of them have had some pretty decent chemistry together. Uh, perhaps not scoring as often as maybe they'd like, but they work well together. Um, and so uh, this uh, this clip from D that we have here um, to his he was asked, you know, with 
we all know uh, those of us who who focus on the AHL inside and out year after year know that roster tur- turnover is nothing to really bat an eye out because it's it's the bread and butter of the AHL. There is always going to be roster turnover. There's always going to be call-ups. There's always going to be injuries. Um, and so it's it's kind of the crux of, a, of an AHL coach's job is to be able to still put a winning product and a development product together with an ever-changing roster. But uh, Laval's gone through certainly its paces right now. Um, and uh, Dee talks about how he believes the reason that they're still finding success, even though a lot of the guys in their lineup are from Trois-Rivières, quite frankly. It tells a lot about the organization, you know, from Trois-Rivières to, to Montreal. Uh, I think whenever, you know, guys are getting called up or, you know, they, they have a chance to, to prove themselves, everybody's they're dialed in, you know, they, they create a lot of chances. You can see with Dooch and Sean, you know, they bring a lot to our team right now and, uh, you know, it just tells a lot, like I said, about the, the staff and what the, 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 the scouting and everything. They bring some good players and uh, everybody's chipping in. So I think that's a, the big thing is everybody that comes in, they play great and it helps us to win. Three points for JSD in, in that game against Abbotsford uh, moves him uh, to the top of the scoring um, list uh, for the Laval Rocket with 27 points. And I should say he the, the two players he mentioned there, uh, he said Duch and and Sean, that's Justin Ducharme and Sean St. Amant. Uh, Sean St. Amant has actually been a nice surprise uh, transitioning fairly, fairly decently uh, to the AHL lineup. He's he's uh, started contributing already. And Justin, Justin Ducharme is doing a bit of the same as well. So nice to see uh, one of the veterans on the team acknowledge the scouting staff for the Canadians organization that they're that as far as he's concerned, they are placing the right kinds of guys uh, at at different levels throughout the organization so that when there are holes that need to be filled, uh, they have the right personnel in place to be able to step in and contribute. So um, I thought that was a very nice tip of the hat to uh, the Montreal scouting staff. Uh, so that brought us into Monday night, Rick. And Monday night was kind of a... Uh, you know, it's Monday night hockey. Nobody's really paying attention on Monday night, but everybody should have been paying attention because the Springfield Thunderbirds were in town. And this would be the return of uh, some names like, oh, Matthew Pekka, Will Bitten, and uh, just a guy named Charlie Lindgren uh, coming coming into town. Uh, Springfield, of course, sixth, uh, sitting sixth in the league. Heading into uh, Monday night's game, a very, very good offensive team that have some tremendous talent uh, on the front end. Uh, and so it was, uh, you knew it was going to be a battle. Uh, I've been, <laughs> we've been saying ever since, ever since Lindgren beat the Canadians when he was up for the Blues earlier in this season, you know, it's kind of the Charlie Lindgren revenge tour. And and would he, would he complete the, the one-two punch? Well, he certainly did. Uh, he looked uh, very determined in net last night. He's been having an incredible season, uh, I should mention. Uh, in the AHL as well as as his track record in the NHL this year. Um, and uh, quite frankly, the Rocket just did not have it in them uh, on this particular night. And they lost 5-2. to two. Charlie Lindgren, uh, as you said, uh, uh, tremendous season, won all five of his starts uh, with St. Louis, uh, 122 goals against, 958 save percentage, and has been terrific for the Thunderbirds, uh, 16 wins, 16, three and one, uh, 231 um, goals against and 922 save percentage. And Joel Hofer has been, been great uh, yeah. as well. So they're very good, uh, 
excellent goaltending. And as you said, uh, they can book the, put the puck in the net as well and, and didn't seem to have much trouble with uh, with Laval. Uh, uh, Charlie's had uh, a terrific season but you know, this game meant a lot to him. Oh, I'm sure it did. We all heard his reaction. We talked about it here on the show after he beat the Canadians at the NHL level this year. Uh, you know that this was, uh, I'm sure he's had this one circled on the calendar as well. Was not surprised to see him get the start. Uh, in fact, all of the previous Canadians uh, folks uh, chipped in on this game. Of course, Charlie looking uh, very dominant in the crease. Matthew Pekka potting an empty netter to kind of put the lid on things at the end of the game. And Will Bitten even got in there with an assist on one of the goals. So um, I even mentioned on Twitter last night uh, watching the game, it's been a while since I've been able to watch Will Bitten play for for a while. When he was traded away from the Montreal Canadiens, uh, he was traded to the Minnesota organization in exchange for Gustav Olofsson. And so he had played with the Iowa Wild for, for a good portion of the last couple of years. Uh, but then Minnesota traded him uh, to... Um, to St. Louis. Uh, and so he's been playing with the Thunderbirds and it's, a, so it's the first time I've had a chance to watch him and play in a while. And man, he has not lost any of that tenacity that we saw him play with, uh, earlier in his career, uh, still really aggressive on the puck. Uh, and I still think, uh, still think a, a really good solid hockey player there. Um, so JF Uhl, of course, not, uh, very pleased to see how this game went down. Uh, in fact, he did not mince words, uh, last night, uh, post game. Well, you know, I, I thought we had way too many turnovers. We didn't manage the puck very well. Um, we, uh, it was a sloppy game. Puck was like kind of bouncing everywhere and our execution wasn't great. Uh, I thought we had some chances. We had some chances. He made some big save, a lot of tips and stuff around the net. And uh, but we need to we need to have more players um, playing better. I think we had too many passengers tonight. And uh, like I said in French, if we'd have uh, if we'd have more bodies, for sure, some of these guys would be in the stands tonight. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's not acceptable. You have to have some consistency in the American Hockey League, and you have to work every night. It doesn't matter if you're tired; you find a way. That's pretty direct. <laughs> we have not heard that from JFL too often this season. Too many passengers, uh, sloppy play, turnovers, bad execution, uh, and said when they did get the chances, um, he, that being Charlie Lindgren, made some big saves. Uh, but but the last part saying that um, he would really like if they had more bodies around uh, to be able to sit some of these guys who aren't putting in the effort uh, that's necessary. Yeah, it was. Uh, we've not heard that kind of a harsh, that big of a harsh criticism uh, post game from JF Uhl, uh this season. That this was definitely a game that I I think that he felt um, just was a, a complete failure from top to bottom like you said there were some good chances but things just didn't were were not clicking on a lot of levels in fact he went farther you know people of course there's a lot of people still talking about the fact that yes they are playing a lot of hockey in a very compressed schedule in a lot of different days and so um you know asking about do you know do you chalk it up to to fatigue and and i found it interesting that he said okay well sure uh the physical fatigue is there but uh, to me, tonight's execution was more mental fatigue. Part of hockey is uh, is the mental part of it, and tonight we had we had the puck on our stick. We we gave him the chances, like we absolutely gave him most of the ten chances, 
it came off our stick. So those are things where it's not that hard and fatigue has got nothing to do with that. Really. You have to, you know, you have to be concentrated and ready to play and uh, you can't give the other teams opportunities like that. So it's um, being focused and, and uh, having an attention to detail and you have to do that all the time. You have to do it every game. You have to be consistent about that. Uh, And when you aren't, um, at, at this level of hockey, teams are going to take advantage of you, especially good teams. They are. Uh, and I, I think, I think this next, these next couple of games are going to be crucial and interesting to watch to see how after that kind of performance and that kind of analysis from their coach after the game, how the Rocket respond to that. Um, they now go on the road. We're going to talk about it uh, in the next segment a bit, um, but they're going to face uh, Rochester, who is hot on their heels. They are right behind Laval in the standings, um, and then they're going to play. Then they're going to face two teams who they haven't played yet this season: the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Um, and so, those kinds of games, no matter where those two teams are sitting in the Atlantic Division standings. Uh, those kinds of games games are always kind of an anomaly and you're out on the road. So it's, it's going to be really key to see how Laval is able to put this, this last part of the homestand behind them, learn from it and kind of regroup. So stay tuned for that. Um, Part of the issue is the injury list either keeps growing or (laughs) timetables keep expanding. Unfortunately for JF Ull, um, just running down the list, uh, you know, Vedemo was only supposed to be out for a week or two. Uh, he is now kind of on the same timeline as Alex Belzeal. They're projected to be back in April, which means two big offensive guys. Uh, you just forget about them for the month of March. Um, Jean-Christophe uh, Baran, JC Bonan, and Brana Zignac are day-to-day. They're going to travel with the team this week. Uh, Josh Brook, this poor kid. Cannot mm. catch a break. You know, he he finally gets healthy, finally makes his season debut, um, gets in a, a teeny tiny little bit of game action, and sure enough, the knee that he had surgery on, there's some swelling in his knee, so he's going to be out for a week or two. Um, and then Toby Pakepi-Son and Gianni Fairbrother, uh, both out with injury. They've both uh, undergone imaging for MRIs. They're going to be meeting with the doctors their return timetable is unknown at this point. That we're waiting on an update. And then, if that wasn't enough, Rick, okay, just came out today that Cam Hillis apparently oh, got no. injured last night. Uh, he's not going to travel with the team. He's going to meet with doctors uh, regarding an upper body injury, and we'll wait to see what the prognosis is there. So um, that's tough. It's very tough. Uh, it's 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 really lean times uh, for JF Uh and so. At, at a very crucial time in the season. So we'll see how, how they're able to manage all of that. Uh, so that, of course, means there has had to be roster additions um, with PTOs. Explaining the goaltending situation <laughs> past week, even when we were talking before we started recording, um, we kind of had to go through it a couple of times just because it's kind of hard to keep track of all of the goaltenders coming and going. Um, so Michael McNiven was traded out. When and then on top of that, uh, Caden Primo gets recalled on an emergency basis to the NHL uh, because uh, Andrew Hammond gets injured. So that leaves Kevin Poulin 
in Laval. So they quickly scramble and they sign a PTO to Tristan Berube uh, from the Trois-Rivières Lions. Then shortly after that, they re- they sign for the third time uh, in the last, I don't know, month, uh, Louis-Philippe Guindon uh, to a PTO and they release Tristan Berube. But now today, Rick, they've signed Tristan Berube again to a PTO and said that he's going to travel on this road trip. So I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's three goaltenders. I I guess all three of them are traveling. I, I really don't know. The int- The funny thing is, The Rocket just tweeted today, uh, Louis-Philippe Guindon has been signed to a PTO so many times in the past month that uh, he got our, our good pal Sila Brush to go ahead and, and make him a Rocket mask. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so The Rocket had pictures. He's confident he's staying I guess for a so. bit. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's the goaltending situation right now. Um, they also announced today that they signed a defenseman to a PTO, Darian Kielb. If I'm mispronouncing that, I am very sorry. Um, and Rick, he's, uh, going to join the team in Rochester. On his way from Fort Wayne, uh, where he had played 16 games, uh, in the ECHL, the Fort Wayne Comets, that's Comets with a K. Mm-hmm. Um, he started the season, this season, with Dalhousie University in CIS or U Sports, whatever we're calling it these days. Um, and um, prior to that, he, he had four seasons in the in the queue. So um, not much known uh, about him uh, other than we'll see if he gets into the lineup and, and, uh, and makes his uh, AHL debut. Uh, good size, 6'3", uh, 180. All right, so we have that, and uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly's PTO was extended. Uh, so uh, JF obviously appreciating having uh, another veteran uh, presence and someone who's got plenty of experience uh, and, and have obviously been pleased with uh, what he's been able to, to bring uh, in this season, so have extended his professional tryout contract. Uh, so Rick, let's uh, let's just touch on that goaltender situation just for a moment here before before we move on to uh, the next segment and bring Patrick into the studio. Um, starting first with um, Michael McNiven getting traded away to to Calgary for future considerations. Um, this was I can't say it was a move that we were surprised to see McNiven finally traded out. I think it was probably long overdue. Um, but to not get anything back for him <laughs> and the situation he now finds himself in, I think all of it's very, very interesting. It is. Um, so he goes to the Calgary organization, uh, sent to the Stockton Heat, um, where they've, I mean, they've got some good goaltenders there too. Dustin uh, Wolf is a tremendous prospect uh, for the Flames, uh, but it, They'll set up some sort of uh, tandem there. He hasn't played yet for Stockton. Um, But this is a situation where, um, you know, the writing's been on the wall uh, for some time that uh, Michael McNiven was was not uh, a valued member of of the organization. Um, He had been treated not very well. you know, going back to the 2019-20 season uh, when uh, they sent him to the ECHL, um, uh, the Canadians did not have an ECHL affiliate. 
So he was sent from wherever they had room, from uh, Adirondack to Jacksonville to Norfolk, um, and and not feeling part of the team, not even having uh, the ability to uh, get ice time for for him to go skate. It, it, mm-hmm. it was just dreadful uh, situation. Um, but he's he came back and and signed another contract and and. Um, we have to go back to October of this this year, and um, it was the the twenty third of October when uh, the Laval Rocket faced Providence, and Michael McNiven was outstanding. Um, he he got the shutout. Uh, Laval beat Providence four nothing. Uh, Michael McNiven, the the first star, twenty nine save uh, shutout performance, um, and he was brought to the mic, and he didn't want to talk about his shutout. He wanted to talk about this the week before the game that happened the week before against Belleville, and um, w- I mean, w- when watching that that game, um, I messaged you and said something's wrong. Something's wrong with Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, he he his recovery was slow. He couldn't go post to post. Um, something was was dreadfully wrong. Um, and he gave up uh, three goals on on twenty one shots, and and Primo came in, um, and Primo wanted to talk about that game and said, uh, "I saw the uh, I Mc, saw sorry McNiven. I'm sorry. Yeah, just uh, make Mc, sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. McNiven wanted to talk about that game and said, um, you know, some of you may thought that um, that I played poorly. Um, uh, you th- you thought that I was awful last week. Let me tell you what happened. Um, I was ill." Um, I was suffering from, from stomach cramps. Uh, they were um, overwhelming uh, with pain. Came to the bench, asked to be taken out, and was told no. Uh, get back in the net. This is, this is his rendering of, 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 yeah. of, of the story. He said, I, I have no explanation. I don't know why they didn't replace me. I could barely move, couldn't move post to post. Um, I don't, I think that the coaches didn't think it was as bad as it was. Um, and he went on to, to then, um, from there say, you know, this is kind of a pattern, um, with this organization and, and, uh, the number of years that he's been with the team and, and there's been no progression. Uh, and, and you know, he, he came out of the, uh, the OHL as, as a pretty heralded, heralded goaltender. Yeah. Um, goaltender of the year, and um, uh, he didn't see the progression that he that he liked. So, after speaking out uh, like that, we were kind of expecting something to happen, and mm-hmm. nothing did until now. And 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 let's say let's uh, um, kind of acknowledge that that this ca- most of these bad feelings happened under. A previous coach happened under a previous general manager. Correct. Um, so uh, all we can say is that that uh, we knew that this was the day was coming. Uh, this is better probably for the organization, although they're in a, a goaltender juggle right now. Uh, well, but you even messaged me at the events this week and said. Michael McNiven has to be looking at the the updates for the Canadians <laughs> right now and going, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, 
Um, but it's better for him. And it really he gets is. a fresh start, new organization. And, and um, you know, he's uh, he's a good person and, and we wish him the, all the best. We certainly do. Uh, we'll see if at some point maybe we can uh, get him on the show and, and hear, hear from him as well. Uh, he's put in a lot of work, a lot of hard work. Uh, he's endured a lot uh, through his years in the Canadians organization. And so we do wish him well. Um, another goaltender that we can talk about, um, is Caden Primo. We've, you know, everyone was waiting with bated breath for him to get sent back down to the AHL when it became very clear that he is not NHL ready. Uh, the team in front of him in Montreal, of course, wasn't helping things, but, uh, there's, there's a lot that Caden Primo needs to work on in his game. I know it's, we're a broken record. We've said it many times, um, that he hasn't yet had a full season in the AHL, and it's something that he needs. Um, and so he finally got sent back down. He had a great attitude about it. Uh, he's had a decent performance since his uh, since his reassignment to Laval. Uh, there's been a there's been a couple of games where he's had you know some of his his struggles have crept in, but for the most part, he's he's looking a bit more like himself. Um, and so it was, you know, kind of like good feeling like, okay, Caden Primo can just spend the rest of the season, the run up to the playoffs, get some playoff experience and just really build on this and then see what happens next season. Um, and then all of a sudden, Rick, Andrew Hammond gets injured. I mean, it's it's like we de- nobody wants to see the repeat of what happened in the Flyers organization from two years ago when they went through, I don't even know how many goal, 12 goaltenders or something like that played at least a game. Um, it's like every time a goaltender comes in, there's a new injury. And so that meant Caden Primo emergency recall back to the NHL. And yet again, Rick, his development and his, his, his process and his routine is disrupted again. And we have no idea if he's going to get into a game in the NHL. We have no idea how he's going to do. Um, it's, it's I, as I put it on Twitter, I think it's less than ideal for him. Absolutely less than ideal. Um, but if anything, it's fortunate timing. And, and the reason is that the Canadians have a reasonably light schedule uh, this week. Um, a game on Wednesday um, against Vancouver, uh, coming back home on Saturday night against Seattle and then in Philadelphia uh, on Sunday. Um, there's that back-to-back situation that, that uh, you can expect to, to see Primo. However, uh, will Hammond be back? We have no idea uh, the extent of his injury placed on IR, so a minimum of a week, but he could be back. Uh, the other uh, issue is we we don't know how close uh, Jake Allen is to returning. Jake Allen is with the team in Vancouver, um, and and doesn't look like he'll be back soon. But it looks like he's on track and and isn't too far away. So all of those are are really good signs. But mm-hmm. Caden Primo, every game that he misses uh, from the AHL is is the development time lost. Um, you know, there's, there's no sugarcoating it. He's been absolutely dreadful in the NHL. He has uh, one win in 11 appearances, 488 uh, goals against 866 save percentage. Um, he's been decidedly average in the AHL. Um, you know, some good, some bad. Mm-hmm. Um, he, there's still, he still needs to work on his positioning. He still needs to work on his puck tracking, um, and handling the puck. Uh, all, he needs to be dominant. 
and consistently dominant at the AHL level before he's ready to make the step. So let's hope that uh, his stay in Montreal uh, this time is short and he can get back to the AHL to help out Lavelle. We can only hope. (laughs) We can only hope. All right, we are going to take a quick break. We'll, of course, keep you updated on all of the things going on with the Laval Rocket and the Montreal Canadiens prospects uh, as as it happens week to week. Uh, right now, however, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings with a, with a great offer for new users. And then when we come back on the other side of that, we are going to head open. Uh, we're going to open up the doors for the AHL hot stove. Patrick Williams is going to join us, and we've got lots of great topics to talk about. You don't want to miss it. So don't Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right here on the Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media and the Hockey Podcast Network, episode 247. We're so glad you're with us today. Uh, again, my name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host of the show, uh, joined by my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens. And uh, let's uh, let's do just a couple of business matters here. First of all, if you're a new uh, listener, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that you're enjoying the show. And we invite you, whether you're a new listener or a longtime listener, uh, to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Uh, And also be sure to follow us on Twitter at the AHL Report or at the Press Zone. Your choice. I say go for both, but if you only choose one, I'd say probably go for a the a at the AHL report. You'll get lots of great information about the Laval Rocket there, so you don't want to miss that. You know it, you love it, you're here for it every uh, other week when Patrick Williams joins us on the show for the AHL Hot Stove. Patrick, uh, it's uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we all got to convene together. Well, last time you were here, of course, we got to uh, sit down exclusively with uh, Laval Rocket head coach Jean-Francois Uhl. So it's back it's it's back to the three of us here at the Hot Stove Roundtable, but we're very excited to, uh, to have you on the show again today and see what we're going to talk about. Yeah, uh, good to be back, and yeah, kind of be uh, tall order to top uh, JF uh, uh, two weeks ago, but uh, we'll give it a shot. We'll do our best. Well, the, we've got three things that we're going to cover today. Uh, the first two of them are kind of uh, ways that the AHL is kind of getting into the news a little bit. Um, the first, of course, is is a very serious. Uh, 
subject matter. Uh, everyone, of course, has their eyes on global events that are taking place uh, in Ukraine right now. Um, and for the hockey side of that, uh, we're seeing a, a pretty mass exodus of North American players uh, leaving their KHL teams uh, that they are contracted with in the midst of the KHL playoffs. Um, guys like uh, a familiar name, someone who just played for, for team, uh, for team Canada. In fact, Kenny Agostino, uh, well familiar, uh, fans of the AHL are pretty, pretty familiar with, with a name like, uh, Agostino's, um, Patrick, what, what, what are the potential implications to the AHL, uh, with all of these guys leaving, uh, the KHL? Could we start seeing them on, popping up on rosters here towards the end of the season on, on PTOs or, or what's, what's really the implication of, of what's going on with players leaving the KHL? Well, yeah, I mean, I think first, uh, and it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, that uh, obviously there's far bigger, you know, uh, significance uh, sure. what's, what's happening around the world. But, you know, in our little corner of the world, the American hockey league, I think the, the implications are massive. Um, maybe not so much for this year, but, um, you know, you, you run the stats and, you know, you, you looked at it and you have 49 players, um, either skaters or goalies that were in the KHL this year that basically would qualify also as AHL type players, more pure veteran types. And I put this out, uh, I think, uh, around a week ago that every single one of them, I would classify either as being a, um, top six forward or top four defenseman or, you know, a goalie that's capable of being a number one at the AHL level. And now that that market's gone, essentially, um, HL obviously is going to have all sorts of economic problems, uh, going forward, um, with everything with the sanctions wise, um, they've lost three major sponsors this week, uh, SAP, Toyota and MasterCard. Um, and it's a lead that's largely been funded by that kind of corporate uh, sponsorship, both, uh, domestic and foreign. And that money tap has been turned off. And um, traditionally, KHL has kind of been the lead where if you're a player, that's where you get your million dollar year offer. And, you know, sort of everyone else has to try to match that. And most AHL teams are not matching that. You're not getting a one-way uh, type deal in most cases. So, you know, that, that option's gone for players. I mean, you know, when the U.S. State Department and when the government of Canada tells uh, their citizens, like, get out now. Uh, that, I think, you know, most players have heeded that advice and, uh, you know, you just look at, it. I mean, players are leaving teams mid midway or, you know, early on in the playoffs over in the KHL and um, they're, they're not coming back. I mean, you don't, you don't walk off a team, let's be honest and come back next year. Uh, you know, I think especially in the KHL, they don't tend to mess around over there. So, um, those players now you're, you're at, you're looking at 50 high end AHL players type players that, uh, will now be available. And sure. I mean, there are other options in Europe, but, uh, if you're, if you're a player now, maybe you look at that and you're like, Hey, North America looks pretty good right now in terms of, uh, the stability. And, you know, you're still, any of those players are probably in the 350 to 475 uh, a year salary range on a two way deal or uh, on an AHL deal. So, um, but uh, obviously, I think, you know, you're talking, you know, there's a net loss of jobs uh, for players at this kind of level. And um, obviously, you know, the thing is going to certainly push salaries down, you know, around uh, the hockey market. Uh, it's not just, you know, the HL competes with European leagues and the KHLs especially. And um, 
you know, we're just in unprecedented times, really, in terms of uh, what uh, that might have, you know, you know, in terms of an effect. You mentioned uh, someone like Kenny Agostino, but you, you look through the list of, of those players who have left teams. Um, Joaquin Nordstrom, um, we ran, he's a Stanley Cup champion, um, yeah. and uh, but has about 100 games of experience in the AHL, so uh, could easily... Um, add a veteran uh, ex- ex- experience to an AHL lineup looking for goaltenders, uh, Harry Satari, um, mm-hmm. almost 200 games of, of AHL experience uh, could, could help out a team. Um, it, it's, it's really interesting to see what's, what's going to happen. Cause there, there is some talent that could be injected into the AHL uh, towards the end of the season here. I think it's going to be. Um, I think. I think the summertime and free agency for the AHL is going to be really fascinating to watch. I'm. I'm wondering if you know, uh, if current AHL players are also kind of you know pulling at the collar the collar of their shirt a little bit, thinking, okay, well, guess what? Competitions might uh, might ramp up for jobs next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's going to be a really interesting dynamic uh, going going into the summer and as teams start to build rosters over the summer, I think the dynamic is going to be pretty, pretty fascinating to watch. Yeah. And, and you think about Russia now, Russia and Belarus, I mean, Belarus isn't a major factor, but Russia, Russia is a major hockey power and they're essentially now on the sidelines um, in terms of international competition, which really has there ever been in, in any sport, any sort of comparable situation where a major power is just put aside and uh, I think that's going to have all sorts of implications for uh, you know, drafting and scouting. And um, I think we'll probably see far fewer Russian, young Russian players coming over, you know, uh, into the AHL system. So that's going to kind of affect things in reverse as well. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody obviously, from, you know, from what I've been able to gather, speaking to people, you know, around the hockey world, um, really has any sort of sense of where this is going, but uh, there is that at least that that thought that uh, this is a major shift. Uh, the KHL, that's been a factor for the last uh, 13, 14 years, really isn't going to be the same KHL uh, that it has been. So um, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> so I think stay tuned. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you look at the level of talent um, that the KHL had from North American players, I mean, like you mentioned, Kenny Agostino, uh, Mark Barbario, right? I mean, you know, Josh Curry, who was a captain in Wilkes-Barre. I mean, you go right down the list, uh, real high-end talent, John Gilmore, um, you know, guys that, that at the AHL level, Phil Maillet, have been high-end players. And they're probably not – they're not probably coming back to the KHL next season. So, um I think it's going to be a major, major shift in, in terms of uh, the international player market. And there's there's things that we haven't even thought. There's domino effects that are going to happen. We see um, even uh, Russians leaving uh, their mm-hmm. country and streaming across the border to Finland. Does that include yeah. Russian players? What's that going to? What kind of effect is that going to have on the Finnish elite league? If uh, if they're going to be taking young players, uh, it's it's. All of these leagues are going to be affected, including uh, the AHL. For sure. Well, um, and just to add to that, I mean, if you're a North American player over there, you know, you're hearing these, these, you know, the talk of new laws, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, 
what you can say and not say. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how palatable that's going to be to, to many players, mm-hmm. uh, you know, come over and play in that kind of atmosphere. And, um, you know, you say one wrong thing on Facebook or on Twitter or something, and then you're, you're getting a, a phone call from, from the authorities. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, playing in the AHL or Switzerland or something is going to look much more appealing uh, to a player like that. I agree. Um, so that's, you know, we'll keep an eye on it for sure. It's something I imagine that we're going to be reporting on quite a bit uh, as we move uh, past this season of of hockey. And that's a you know a little bit of uncertainty of what the future is going to look like. The second item we want to touch on is, is really some uncertainty regarding uh, – some some past history, recent history. Um, news came out this week that you know it's it's a topic that th- the three of us have covered quite extensively over the course of the last two years through this pandemic. Is is has been you know we've kind of had our finger on the devastating financial impact that the pandemic was going to have on minor league hockey, specifically the AHL. Um, because, as we'll, you know, we'll remind folks that the NHL, yes, they suffered financial losses. It's easier for the, for them to recoup revenue due to uh, media rights holders uh, and and broadcasts and so forth on television. The AHL doesn't have that revenue to fall back on. A lot of their revenue is is gate revenue, um, and so with lockdowns and restrictions and and you know protocols and requirements and so forth, it's been much more difficult. Well, news has come out now that. Um, of the th- of the current 31 AHL franchises, 21 of them are NHL owned. So 21 of them would not be eligible for this measure. Uh, but those who are independently owned, not not under NHL ownership, and who reported at least a 50% loss, uh, have teamed up with minor league baseball in an attempt to uh, appeal to. Uh, the federal government for some subsidy relief uh, in spe- specifically the Charlotte checkers, the Syracuse crunch, the Lehigh Valley phantoms, the Springfield Thunderbirds and the Milwaukee admirals, uh, all AHL teams joining this COVID-19 relief effort. Um, also have, I should mention that there are some ECHL teams and SPHL teams in the mix, as well as uh, a minor league baseball coalition uh, all getting together to try to see if there's a way that uh, the government can help subsidize some financial relief. Um, Patrick, do you have any any insight on this or or details as to to how feasible this might be? Well, um, yeah, it was an interesting story by the AP, and um, I'm not uh, certainly plugged into what's going on at you know on Capitol Hill, but. <laughs> Um, I thought it was interesting that they teamed up with minor league baseball because there is so much overlap uh, in terms of markets and fan base. I mean, you look at uh, three of those teams, Charlotte, Syracuse, Lehigh Valley, they all also have triple A baseball teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, the AHL is essentially triple A hockey. And um, so that, I think, I think it makes sense to team up with baseball rather than try to, Go it alone. I mean, baseball obviously carries a lot of uh, cachet, in, in, you know, in the United States, and uh, that hockey doesn't. Let's be honest, and uh, I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense that way. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, you're you're dipping your toes into the uh, you know the U.S. Uh, political waters, and that that's always uh, you know, as we've seen, is messy and. Um, 
I think just with this and with the KHL situation in Russia, it really goes to show you um, just how connected the AHL is and really hockey is to everything going on in the world around it. And maybe we didn't realize that quite as much in the past, uh, but uh, between the pandemic now and also the international events of, of late, um, it goes, I mean, you know, the AHL is not immune from uh, what's going on around it. And, uh, it's, you know, the minor league hockey business is tough in the best of times. And uh, now two years of pandemic and uh, certainly the international events as well. Um, are just more headwinds uh, for this for this whole operation. This 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 is a real tough issue, and and mm-hmm. and you're, I mean, it's really tugging at your heartstring. That the quote in the AP article uh, from um, Syracuse Crunch President Howard uh, Dolgan said that they've lost millions of dollars, and that uh, estimated that eighty percent of their revenue and fifty percent of their their staff um, have had to be let go, and we 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 know we we've heard this where where front office staff um, who have an enormous job and and take on two and three and four roles as it is uh, that they they were trim well I'm I'm not going to say trim they were slashed in some cases uh, by teams and and so these are people we know these are people mm-hmm. people that uh, you know have been hurt by this this. Uh, lack of revenue. Um, but the other side of the coin of this is that any relief uh, that they're seeking is going to come from taxpayers who have also been uh, just devastated uh, through the pandemic and now through uh, the uncertain uncertainty of world events, the inflation is skyrocketing, taxes are up everywhere. It's got to come out of those, their pockets. And you can see the political argument that's brewing uh, between bailing out these professional sports teams and and what makes those them special, why not why not restaurants? Why not symphonies? Why not art galleries? Why not theater companies? Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be uh, it's going to be a difficult ask, I think, uh, on uh, the everyday person's wallet. I would agree with that, and I th- I think as you say, it's going to set up. What unfortunately could end up happening is this could end up getting mired in political debate for a for a long time and could stall um, because there's going to you know there's going to be plenty of of the well if we're going to do it for this group of sports teams and we need to do it for this group or this group or this group. So um, I'll be very curious to see how how it works as as. I, I agree with both of you. You know, it's you certainly can sympathize. You, we certainly feel we. We, I mean, on this show, the the three of us have have talked countless times over the last two years about how devastating this pandemic was going to be for all of the AHL franchises. Um, will this be an answer? Will this work out? We don't know. Um, but it's interesting, and and I agree, Patrick. It's you know, if you're going to team up with any other coalition uh minor league baseball is probably the way to go so we'll see we'll uh, we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on how that progresses um but one thing that we've also talked about quite often on the show um together is is the fact that now more than ever uh teams need to be creative in attracting new audiences uh finding ways to be relevant to new types of fans uh, you know, really expanding their their box of tricks of, of you know, great promotions and things like that. And just wanted to uh, kind of 
tip the hat to the Manitoba moose who have a, a, a recurring um, theme night. Uh, you know, we, we've seen, we see all the theme nights. There's, you know, there's the NASCAR night. There's always the Marvel superhero night. There's the Star Wars night. There's all sorts of, all sorts of great promotions to get fans to come out. Um, the Manitoba Moose Hockey Club, um, has had a, for the last seven years, they've partnered with, uh, the St. Amant Foundation to bring, uh, an autism, it used to be an autism awareness night. Now it is the autism acceptance night, uh, complete with a beautiful specialized jersey for the night. Um, Elliot Friedman, actually, uh, it's a it's a cause that's near and dear to Elliot Friedman's heart. Uh, and, and he posted, uh, the Moose send him one of the special autism uh, jerseys every year. It's He posted it on Twitter this weekend. Um, Patrick, let me start with you. Just, uh, you know, how meaningful is this to have a night dedicated to not just raising awareness of, about people who live with autism, but going so far to to provide, you know, uh, a quiet room for kids that maybe get overwhelmed or, you know, giving giving them lots of options on on ways they can enjoy the game that night when they come out and and just what it does overall for not only the team, but the community as well. Well, I think, yeah, you make a great point because it's not just something where, hey, we, you know, we throw up uh, something on the scoreboard, uh, you know, pregame and pat ourselves on the back and, you know, that's that, right? Like like you said, they're, they're actually putting a lot of thought into it. Um, jerseys, but as well as the, as the quiet room and, you know, some other initiatives that they're doing with it. And, yeah, it's really neat, I think. I mean, it's, um, it's certainly thinking outside of the box in terms of, uh, you know, like you said, finding a, different audiences. And um, I think obviously there, there's uh, the business component to it as well. Like, uh, you you know, you need to get creative now. Um, you need to find new audiences. And that's something I think has been important for hockey for a long time is getting that next generation of fans, uh, both kids and, you know, young, young, uh, you know, people in their twenties um, uh, to come experience hockey in person and, and see what it's about. And uh, I think a lot of, a big part of that though is actually making people feel welcome. I and mean, it's like anything else, like, you know, if, if you don't feel welcome, it's probably not going to be something that's going to pull you in. So uh, the Moose have been really good uh, through the years with a lot of these community initiatives. I mean, the Rick Rippin situation um, and the charity that they started uh, for him uh, in his memory uh, in terms of mental health has, uh, is, is, you know, kind of been a real point of pride for the Moose uh, and for the Winnipeg Jets for a long time um, since that happened. So, um, the, the, yeah, the, the moose have been really, really aggressive, I think, and, and, and reaching out and, and doing a lot of different community initiatives, uh, both this year and really, you know, even in the past. They've certainly thought through, uh, this whole process and they've been working with the St. Amon Center in, mm-hmm. in Winnipeg and, uh, and setting aside this game each year. Uh, that makes it more much more welcoming for uh, those with with autism and and you know you know when when you go to a, an NHL game an AHL game um, it's it's uh, it's loud it's sensory uh, it, overload it, it, <laughs> and it can be yeah it, it can be um, for a, a person with autism um, that that sensory overload too much stimulus and and. Uh, so they plan to turn down the music, uh, get rid of the light show, mm-hmm. all the things that are kind of commonplace now in in a in the game prep, and and uh, uh, that that allows uh, um, 
especially uh, young kids who wouldn't wouldn't be able to go to a game in any other way. It it allows them to go with their family and and enjoy um, a sport that uh, until now they've had to watch from afar. Agreed. I, it's it's one. You know, have not had the uh, the the privilege yet of of attending a Manitoba Moose home game uh, in person, but and and certainly that's on the that's on the bucket list for sure. I I would be I would be very fascinated by attending this game in person just to feel and see and hear how different um, and maybe even a bit just getting back to the basics it is of of watching a hockey game uh, in person on a night like this. Um, kind of getting back to its roots and and just pure hockey and and so forth. Um, Can they take the sponsorship off the boards too? <laughs> no, 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 no. Is that too visually stimulating? Get what you said. Get back to basics. There you go. <laughs> um, no, I think it's a great. I think it's a great uh, initiative. I applaud them for it. Um, and uh, thank you guys for for letting us uh, kind of do a little stick tap to the Manitoba Moose uh, for a great initiative. Well done. Uh, well, Patrick, it seems every time you appear here on the hot stove, um, we've got lots to talk about and then it just flies by <laughs> the snap of a finger. It's over before, uh, before we know it. Yeah. Uh, too fast. actually. You know? <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. But there's other ways. If you're missing Patrick, there's other ways to get your Patrick Williams. And, and, That's right. and I read an article today uh, on the AHL.com uh, about uh, someone who I've been following his uh, progression with curiosity, and that is one Jack LaFontaine. Um, very different, uh, almost unprecedented situation with him coming from the NCAA almost mid-season. And uh, you have a great article about, uh, about Jack. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, and, you know, kind of uh, the dirty little secret of writing is that, you know, you're really only as good as your subject uh, in terms <laughs> of your story. And he was a great interview. Uh, it was funny because we, we had a lot of trouble actually connecting. It took us probably about two weeks uh, just because it's been uh, he's been dealing with so much, uh, you know, in terms of lifestyle changes and, you know, in the schedule, certainly. But really smart guy, really kind of he's a little bit of a different different bird, you know, like, um, goaltenders kind of, tend to be, <laughs> yeah, it very sort of, uh, introspective and, uh, you know, I, I would say very, very mature beyond his years at 24 years old, but, uh, um, had a lot of insight. It's a, like you said, it's a really unique situation. It's also really kind of interesting in the sense that, uh, what he walked into with that Carolina, uh, goaltending system, uh, both in terms of him, uh, Peter Kochikoff, at two Yammy, and you have Alex Lyon, a you know high end pro. You have Beck Warm, who's uh, kind of had a, a impressive start to his pro career. So um, it's less a goaltending tandem almost, and more like a goaltending staff, like 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 a baseball <laughs> pitching staff. Uh, so what the Carolina Hurricanes have uh, been able to put uh, together in terms of uh, young young goaltending talent is really impressive, and he has to be you know right right at the top of that mix. So. Um, yeah, it was a fun story to put together for sure. And, uh, you know, he really was, uh, you know, it was worth the wait in terms of getting him to, to speak because he really did uh, have a lot to say. 
Well, you can uh, be sure to check out that article of Patrick's and many more. Uh, he's got wonderful feature stories at theahl.com uh, as as one of their uh, special contributors, uh, as also, of course, AHL correspondent at NHL.com. Uh, we're lucky to have him as part of the Rocket Sports Media team. You can catch him right here on the Press Zone every other Tuesday for the AHL Hot Stove. And then on the other weeks, you can, as to, to borrow Rick's phrase, you can get your Patrick Williams fix uh, at Rocket <laughs> Sports on the opposite alternating weeks uh, right there on AHLReport.com with his biweekly under-review column, which is always fun to read. Uh, that'll be out again next week. Uh, and you can catch him on Twitter at PWilliamsAHL. Make sure you follow him. Uh, and uh, Patrick... We look forward to seeing you back here again in two weeks. I can't wait to see what kind of stories we have to talk about. Um, stay tuned. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, the next couple of weeks for sure. Thank you. You know, Rick, it seems every time that we have Patrick uh, on the show uh, with us for the AHL hot stove, it's like our the hot stove topics just keep getting more interesting. And we get find some fun stuff to talk about in there as well, as well as big news topics. And it's just, uh, it's always something very different. Every very week. meaty issues that uh, there's lots of sides to, and, and we try to explore all those, uh, the three of us. Absolutely. So uh, thanks again to Patrick. Always great to have him on the show. And uh we're looking forward to his next visit. Uh, all right. So this week coming up for the Laval Rocket, three games all on the road. We talked about it uh, in the first segment. Uh, Wednesday, they'll be in Rochester taking on the Americans. Uh, this is a very important divisional game. As as I said, Rochester is right on their heels in the standings. So that's, uh, that's one that they really need a big bounce back win after that loss to Springfield on Monday night. Uh, and then Friday, they head down... Well, they head down to my backyard, uh, down uh, to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms to take them on for the first time this season in Allentown at the PPL Center. Uh, Saturday, they then just jaunt uh, right up uh, an hour up the highway to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, so uh, very uh, some different hockey this week. It's been nice to see some some different opponents for Laval. Uh, we'll have all of the coverage. Uh, I'll have full coverage, game recaps, and post-game interviews of all three of those road games at ahlreport.com uh, this week. You can follow along with the live in-game updates at the AHL Report on Twitter. Uh, and be sure you check out ahlreport.com for the full game recaps uh, of each of those games after they come out. Um, other things that you might have missed uh, in our general Rocket Sports content that we just want to bring your attention to. Rick, I'm happy to say... Um, I think I'm, I think I'm able to say with, with joy, I can report in that our premiere episode of our new Habs hockey report video series on the all Habs YouTube channel was a resounding success. Very well received. Uh, we've been getting a ton of great feedback, uh, from fans, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on YouTube itself, um, so much great feedback. People really seem to, uh, enjoy the first episode. If you happen to miss it, or if you are not subscribed yet to the All Habs YouTube channel, I invite you to go there uh, and check out the pilot episode. It's called Habs Hockey Report, hosted by yours truly, uh, where we're going to talk in a very fun, interactive show each week about uh, the latest going on with the Habs, with the Laval Rocket, and lots of ways for fans to get involved with the show, which I think is probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh, so head over to the All Habs YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash allhabs. And uh, just hit that subscribe button and uh, check out the first episode. Leave a comment. Uh, the big question, the feedback, the feedback forum question in that one was, where are you watching from? I just 
you know, want, we want to get a sense of how broad the Habs fans are everywhere <laughs> phrase really is. So uh, leave a comment and uh, we, uh, we thank you for your viewership. And if you could do one thing um, beyond, beyond subscribing uh, yeah. for sure, check that you're subscribed. And then if you could share it, uh, yes. retweet it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, or just tell one friend uh, about the brand new show, the show that every Habs fan needs to watch. And that's <laughs> Habs Hockey Report. Thank you very much. I would appreciate that very much. We all would. Um, and of course, we'd all appreciate you all. If you're enjoying this podcast and you haven't yet subscribed to our sister podcast uh, hosted by Rick every Saturday called the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, it is purely focused on the Montreal Canadiens. It is it is the Habs up, down, and sideways. It is it is everything you want to know about the Montreal Canadiens. Lots of analysis, lots of insight. Uh, Rick hosts that every Saturday with a. We have a few different team members who who co-host with him every week. I'm happy to say I'll be joining you again this week. Um, nice. Michael Spinella uh, was with you last week um, as well as actually. Well, there was if you missed last week's show, it was Rick. And Michael Spinella, I jumped in for a segment, and uh, our our staff writer Cole was also on the show as well. It was a perfect. He got a, a forfer <laughs> on that one. So head over to CanadiansConnection.fm. Uh, be sure you subscribe to the podcast and and catch up on the latest episode. It's a lot of fun uh, for Habs fans. And again, uh, as Rick said with uh, the the video series, uh, share any of our podcasts on your social media platforms uh, or just tell one hockey friend about it uh, and it, our community can continue to grow and we would appreciate that. Uh, this has been a fun, uh, it, as I, well, I just said it to Patrick that these things go by so quickly um, and each, our episodes go by so quickly. Um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to all of you for listening. We, we couldn't do this without you. We wouldn't do this without you. We, we enjoy bringing you this show each and every week because we're passionate about the Montreal Canadiens organization and their prospects and their AHL affiliate and the AHL in general. And we, uh, we want to bring you all of the news about the teams that you love. So uh, thanks so much for being here. Uh, enjoy the week. Stay safe if you're encountering any bad weather. Uh, in and around any of your any of your locales and we'll see you back here next tuesday for another great episode of the press zone right here on rocket sports radio click subscribe to never miss an episode of the press zone on rocket sports radio visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects